Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90 Min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your pods, Apple, Spotify or Google, and follow us on Twitter. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promised Land MU. Rob, how are you doing? It's very cold in the UK at the moment. It's a bit chilly, isn't it? You know, kind of perfect football weather, though. The sun is out, but it is very, very cold. Yes, sir. Um, weather talk to start a podcast. How fantastic is that? You get everything here. You get absolutely <laughs> everything. And what you're going to get today is Manchester United talk. We are speaking. We're recording ahead of the Brentford game on Wednesday, um, looking back a little bit of the Villa performance and what we learned from it. But we'll also talk transfers in this episode. We'll talk Bruno Fernandes. We'll talk... Jude Bellingham, John McGinn, new manager chat and all this business. Uh, let's jump in straight away, Rob, to how did you feel after the Villa game? I mean, I was kind of disappointed that, in, obviously, I think the disappointment and it felt like a defeat was probably the big thing. But there were some positives. Yeah, I think there were plenty of positives in retrospect. You know, when you're 2-0 up and you end up drawing a match like that in the way that United did... Then it's always disappointing. So it's hard, you know, it's 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 easy to read that game with your heart, isn't it? But if you read the game with your head, there were definite some benefits to how Ralph set, set it up and how the team executed his plan. So we saw some Gagan pressing for the first time, some proper counter pressing in the first half, where United played a higher line. They set traps, which is something we haven't seen. You know, we've, t- we've heard Ralph Rangnick talk about these things a lot. But we've not actually seen it physically. We saw a little bit of it against Crystal Palace, but it was more a kind of wild introduction, I think, to Ralph Ranić's management style for half an hour. So I think that was a huge positive because if Man United are going to do anything under this coach in the next six months, they have to be the coach on the pitch. They have to show his personality and his philosophy on a football pitch. And it was good to see that and that it worked for a certain element of the game. I think the issue is, is that it just takes 
time to get the coaching right on it and time to get the physicality right. United showed in that first 35 minutes, let's say 40 minutes, that they can do the physical work, but I'm not sure they can do it over 90 minutes yet. Yeah, I was quietly impressed. I mean, I said after the game that, and we said on this podcast in in recent months since we started it, Rob, that United have, haven't played that well in any game apart from a handful this season. I think, you know, you think back to the Crystal Palace opening 30 minutes under Ralph, that was probably the only time United have looked, you know, coherent, controlled, and what they they know what they're doing and that kind of stuff when they're able to control themselves and not kind of lose control, uh, if this, this makes any sense, later in the game like they did at Villa. Um, but the first half on the whole, I know Villa came back into it for at the, around the 35-minute mark, but United, there was there were some good signs there, but they did end up dropping the points. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Ralph has what's what's Ralph been brought in for? Is it is it in in your in your view, is it to get top four or is it just to start the the cleanse? What's the biggest job here? It's been brought in to get top four and win. There's there, like that we know with this Manchester United board that long term to them is like next Wednesday. You know, they, they really don't have a plan and they don't plan very well and execute plans. Now, the whole point of bringing Ralph Rangnick to the football club, there is a wider aspect to that about the consultancy and the style of play and the type of player that Man United go for. And I think Rangnick will be involved in that. But there was kind of a thing that's kind of misgiven that he'll come in, he'll reteach these players, he'll get rid of bad habits and he'll do it all in about five minutes. Well, that's not football, is it? You know, I, th- I think when you looked at the Villa game, it's almost a little bit like the litmus test, isn't it? it, it week to week to week, we, we're seeing new things, more positives than negatives as things go on, but they're such tiny baby steps. I think the most important thing about that game was that the three main protagonists of your team, and I'll say it's Ronaldo, Rashford and Maguire, they're your three leaders, they weren't there and Man United were a better side. So that's something for Ranić to figure out, isn't it, going forward? Because he's got players, I think, that can do his system. It's just whether your superstars and your main players and your leaders in the dressing room, can they do the system? And I think maybe the answer to that at the moment is no. On that point, quite impressed with uh, with Anthony Alanga. You know, he's getting his chances here and there because he is, I know we don't obviously see what he does on the training pitch, but he must be doing something right. And... Putting players in on merit is something that United haven't really done for uh, a long time now. It's more been reputation, you know, I, I don't want to say relationships, but Ollie, you know, he picked the players that he he wanted to pick and no matter what somebody else did, they they find it difficult to get in the team. But with Anthony Alanga, I think I've been quite impressed with him. I could probably see him starting and featuring in more games. He signed a new contract recently. Uh, and he does bring in that kind of energy that United need and that Ralph wants, doesn't he? He certainly does. And I've been crying out for him to start games because I think that, you know, Randy again spoke a lot about youth players on their first contract and what that does psychologically to a player about how they want to prove themselves. And they obviously soak up information in a totally different way to say veterans do who have already got their game in place, know how they want to do stuff. And they may be set in their ways, you know, teaching an old dog new tricks. I think with a Langer, he's got all of the 
kind of attributes that you need to play a Gagan Preston style and do all the things that Ranić wants him to do. And you saw that in the Villa match is that he can drive, he can close down space very quickly, he can put pressure on his opposite defender and he can get into the box. Now, Marcus Rashford can do all those things as well, but Marcus Rashford isn't doing those things. So, as you just said there about players coming in on merit, I think that's how it has to be. And I think that's why there's more pain to come rather than there being, you know, these kind of solutions that just pop up out of nowhere. And we go, oh, look, they're all pressing suddenly. Well, it doesn't really work like that. So I'm not saying that Marcus Rashford doesn't want to do the work, but for whatever reason, he's not doing it. And it's a, it's difficult. So go and sit on the bench, Marcus. And Antia Lange, you're playing well. You play. So you, know, you just said that we don't know what he's doing in training. We do know from the sources at Old Trafford is that he is training really well. And that's one of these things that's been fed out from the centre, that, that they're really impressed with Antia Lange. As you said, he signed a new contract. And they feel he's ready, you know, in the same way that, say, Ahmed Diallo isn't ready. So they're both big talents. You will see Ahmed get minutes maybe, but they feel that... Alanga is ready to start matches, and we saw that against Aston Villa. He did uh, take the place of Jaden Sancho, and I think, well, he probably he started ahead of Jaden Sancho. You probably would have expected him to start there, but Sancho did come on and looked a little bit off the pace. And I think he took one first touch on the left side and lost the ball straight away, and that kind of set the tone. And that was more in the in the part of the game where United were really losing a bit of grip on it, but. Just to talk um, talk positives, um, because I'm, I'm quite aware that we uh, often talk negatives <laughs> because that's just the situation at the moment. Bruno Fernandes, um, two goals from him. Uh, in the first half, especially, he looked to be in all the right places, scored a goal, albeit fortunately a second half goal as well with a really good finishing off the underside of the bar. Is this kind of the... <sighs> the path back for him. He's, he's not been great himself in the last few weeks. What, what was, what was different about Bruno the other day? Well, what was different about Bruno was he didn't have Ronaldo in front of him. So, you know, I, I've said this from the start of the season, when we signed Cristiano, one of my big fears was that we would see what happened between those two guys for Portugal replicate itself at Old Trafford. That's exactly what we've seen is that they lack chemistry and they, they their natural games don't really mesh well together. So they're superstars in terms of Portugal. That's why they play there. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Gerard and Lampard back in the day. You know, you kind of main protagonists again, I'll use that word. And, uh, you know, players that you want in your team, but it just doesn't work for whatever reason. You know, just again, I don't think it's a huge issue personally between the players or anything like that. But I think without Ronaldo in front of him, Bruno can go and be Bruno. So he wants to be that player that drifts in in the number 10. So think about his second goal. I think that was classic Bruno Fernandes. Getting to the edge of the box, being found, you know, one touch, bang, goal. That's what he likes to do. I think in that moment, Fred might have looked up and looked for Cristiano. And I think in that moment, Bruno might have sat a little bit deeper and allowed Cristiano to be the guy in the box. I want Bruno Fernandes to be the Bruno Fernandes from last season. That's what I want. That's the best version of him. He can do that role, but can he do it? with Cristiano in the team. I, again, I just think these things, these, these questions, they, they seem kind of like binary yes and no answers. But I just don't see that those two guys are going to work it out. And I don't think Man United have got time to work it out. So I think that we will see more going forward that Bruno Fernandes will play that number 10 role and Cristiano might well find himself on the bench. 
Speaking of Cristiano, uh, was honoured at the FIFA Best Awards on Monday night with some kind of award um, that FIFA like to create um, and, and found himself in quite an attacking FIFA Best eleven as well, uh, which was something to see. He also did an interview last week with Rob. We haven't, I don't know how much time you want to spend on this. It's not in, it's not in my plans to speak about this, but quite a divisive interview. What was your take on it? Because Ronaldo uh, came out and essentially said that while he didn't, he made a point not to point the fingers at the, the United players who he was playing with, that younger players don't really take criticism that well and that United aren't in a position that he's happy with at the moment. How did you read that? Was that more of a, hey, look, I'm trying my best here. Um, these lads aren't up to it. Or was was that trying to, trying to protect him? Or was that more of a case of, oh, he's actually a proper team player trying to set standards? Cristiano has always tried to protect himself first and foremost. So that's not a kind of smite at his character. But when you've scored, you know, a billion goals and had all the success that he's had and Champions League trophies and domestic league titles everywhere he's been, um, he's going to say the same thing over and over again. And that is, I am who I am. So I think he was trying to make the point, you know, and again, I don't think he was trying to attack anyone or have a go at anyone. But Manchester United are in this situation. It's not particularly unique, is it? Like we've seen this at United over and over again. It's just different reasons every time. And quite often it's kind of self-inflicted. So Manchester United made the decision to bring Cristiano to the football club. You can't blame Cristiano for being Cristiano, can you? Maybe Man United should have thought, hmm, this doesn't fit what we're doing. And I think that would have been a better way of looking at it. So I think I think Cristiano's protecting himself, but I also think that that he's not particularly a leader. You know, he's not the guy who's gonna huddle all the young players together and say, guys, you know this is it, this is how you do it, I'm going to show you and you follow my lead. It's not really like that, is it? I think Cristiano is a little bit more kind of sly look guy, you know, kind of side eye, you know, what are you doing? You know, and we've seen it on a football pitch. I I, I talked about it in one of the early games where Cristiano was in the centre and um, and uh, Mason Greenwood was on the right-hand side and Mason was openly kind of telling Cristiano what to do, like go through the middle, I'll find you. And Cristiano was just kind of looking at him up and down like, who are you? And it was like, ah, now you can, I see that from the side of the pitch from my old Trafford spot. And it's obvious what you're looking at, but that's difficult to kind of interpret, isn't it? In the media and, and on a television screen. So I, I've got the feeling that's what's going on at Man United, because there's going to be divisions being created just by bad results. Uh, and just the fact that Cristiano is such a huge superstar, you know, can, you know, can Ralph even tell him what to do? It's really, it's tough, isn't it? I think Ole lost his job because he had one or two players at the football club that he couldn't control because they're bigger than the manager himself. And I don't think you can have any club where the management management and the manager doesn't have that control over all the players. Speaking of controlling players, um, we have to talk Anthony Martial. Now, it's, it's happened over the weekend. Um, Ralph was asked in his post-match press conference about why uh, United didn't, have Anthony Martial feature in the squad at all. He's been in training and this kind of stuff. And Ralph, in no uncertain terms, said he didn't want to be a part of the squad. Martial responded on his Instagram, uh, I would never I, I would never refuse to play for Man United. Uh, Ralph's come out this month already and said that Martial wants to leave. United are holding on to their position of wanting, as far as we understand, 
uh, Martial's wages paid in full, plus a loan fee if he were to be taken out on loan by Sevilla, Juventus, or one of those clubs. What a mess, Rob. <laughs> what was? Where do you stand on this? I think, first of all, Man United fans have to take a little bit of a dose of reality and take their medicine on this. So do you support individual players or do you support the football club? Well, ultimately, it's the football club that we all support and it's the football club we want to do well. It doesn't matter who's playing in the shirt. It's about United winning games. Anthony Martial does not want to play for Manchester United anymore. His representatives have made that clear to the press. They've made it clear to, uh, to Ralph Raniuk. They've made it clear to the Manchester United board. Are you going to pick someone like that in this desperate moment for the football club? Do you think that that player is available openly and wants to do well for you when he stamped his feet and said, send me out on loan? So you're kind of at this impasse with, with the player and the situation. And Ralph, I think, you know, he, Ralph was very direct and said that the player wasn't ready to play and that the player didn't want to play. So they're kind of very specific things to, to say, aren't they? But then, of course, if the player hasn't said it, in those words, he's then pushed against that and gone, oh, you know, I would play, you know, I love Man United. You don't love Man United. You don't love Man United. If you love Man United, you'd be doing something very, very, very different. You would not be saying, I want to leave the football club. You'd be publicly declaring that you're going to fight for your place. So I think that the kind of coin here falls towards Ralph and you go with what the manager's saying because I think he is new to this situation and he doesn't know the players and he doesn't even know Manchester United. He's just applying football science here. And the fact is that Anthony Martial doesn't want to play for him. And he's told him that. Whereas on the flip side, Cavani, who does want to leave the football club as well and would have gone and probably signed for Boca Juniors or gone back to South America, he just spoke to Ralph. Ralph asked him to stay and he said, I'll give you 100% for six months. That's what you do. That's professionalism. So I'm, I'm not on the kind of Anthony Martial bandwagon here. I like the player. I like him. But I think he wants to leave. You can't play him get rid of him when you say get rid of him um two questions do you think ralph should have been so frank with what he said and secondly united have had problems offloading players before because they've stuck to evaluation or stuck to their guns they pay huge wages it's often difficult for them to offload players because they pay such high wages should they is this just a position now we're in mid-January? What is it, the 18th of January as we record this? There's still nearly two weeks left of the transfer window. Do you think this is a position that they will fall back from in order to get him out? Or will they just look at it as you see a club like Arsenal who are, you know, they've let three, four players go in the last week or so and then had a match called off because they haven't got any players, whereas United have put their position out there to say, we need all the players that we can have because of covid so what what do you think will happen with Martial? There has to be some kind of uh, some caving in on one side, right? Yeah, look, as it stands, Anthony Martial can never play for Man United again. He can never wear the shirt ever again. I think once a player says that I'm like implicitly going, like it's not it's not oh I might go in the future because of my contract or the Pogba situation where it kind of goes on and on and on because we're looking at a, a deal between an agent and the club. This is a situation where a player says, I want to go. I want to go now. Sell me now. I don't want to play for this football club anymore. I don't feel right. Now, he said to Ranić that he wanted a change. So I think that's fine. You know, I don't think Anthony Martial is a poisonous individual or a problem in the dressing room or any of those things. But you can't play him. So United need to move him on. 
you will probably have to take some kind of hit to move him on. But this is why it takes so long with Man United because you've got players. Like, it's the same with, with Lingard last year. Is that that you, you move him to West Ham on a loan and we everyone thought, well, a loan's a bit strange for a player of that age. But what happened? He went and played really well at, at West Ham and played so well, he played himself back into contention. You bring him back to the football club, he doesn't sign a new deal and he sits on the sidelines. So again, it's bad management from Man United. On the flip side with Ralph, I think Ralph being honest is a good thing. We've had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who speaks jargon and has always speak jargon. That's the way he does it to shut the press up. You know, arms round people, doesn't want to rock the boat doesn't want to say too much a great does bunch his, of lads yeah does his talking behind the scenes and we know 100 if ollie was still in charge ollie would never have brought that public about the play never ever ever and to say the truth after Mourinho, i was quite happy with that you know i was pl- happy with manager that didn't do that i don't think ralph is being divisive here i think ralph's just telling the truth ralph saying this player wants to play this player wants to play but this player doesn't want to play so that's okay let's move on and I think someone like Ralph, he hasn't got time, has he, to form those relationships. He's got to see who's up for the fight. So the players are up for the fight. Go stand with your new manager and he'll love you and look after you. But if you don't want to do it, then go. So United have to find a way now to kind of clear the ranks. So I think Anthony Martial represents the type of player that can't help you at the moment. So move them on. You know, there are options for you. And we have young players. So... Ansia Langer is a perfect replacement for Anthony Martial in the squad. He might not be as good as Martial, but do you know what? He might be better for you. He might work for Man United better in a new system. So I don't ever really, Scott, have these kind of feelings of nostalgia or love towards players individually because I'm more interested in the collective. And Anthony Martial, as it stands, is outside of the collective. You know, he's not helping United on the pitch. And people say, oh, maybe he's not been given games. We've seen enough of Anthony Martial. Come on. He's been at the club a long time and he's been good in periods. But if he, want, if he wants to be a number nine, he can't be a number nine at Man United now, can he? He can't do what Ralph wants a striker to do. So this is why I'm putting the question out there about Cristiano as well, because it's not about individuals or, or talent. It's about the use to the football team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the- Martial is not the only player who is in that position. Perhaps it's the most public-facing one, but there's a number of other players that you can think of. Dean Henderson, you can think of... I forgot the name. Donny van der Beek. Donny van der Beek. Donny Donny van der Beek. It's the same. It's the same conversation with several players. Is that they're good players. They probably could do well elsewhere, like Lingard did at West Ham last year. Can they help you? If the answer is no. Move them on. But Man United, of course, is wrapped up in politics and finance. So that's always a big consideration with players and trying to get them off your wage bill. United are also wrapped up with posting on social media. I did quite find it really quite funny about the 50 appearances for Donny van der Beek post uh, oh. shortly after the... Uh, and I know that... I know it's a completely separate team, but it just... It, it just irks me a little bit, you know. No, it should irk you because this is the whole thing about the communication between club and fans, isn't it? That social media is now king and everything comes through social media and that's how it is. Maybe make sure your social media team are honed and know what they're supposed to do. Yeah, because if I'm running that social media team and I have run social media teams in the past, I'm saying do not make that post. That post is worthless. So it's only going to upset people. So 
United need, need to maybe learn from their own mistakes in the same way that we ask the football team to learn from their mistakes on a football pitch. We are, of course, having from the players as well the uh, usual weekly update of the poses after you win a five-a-side game or, or whatever on Cristiano Ronaldo's Instagram. Although, um, talking a bit quick, Paul Pogba was featured there. So, fingers yep. crossed, uh, a new face in midfield. And we'll talk about midfield targets shortly, but Paul Pogba... We're not expecting him back for a few weeks yet. He's been out for a little while, but a positive sign, even if I, I'm, I, I've seen enough training photos of posing to last me a lifetime now. I could do without ever seeing one again, to be honest. We could just, this is the issue with social, isn't it? Is that we, we all use it because we want to promote our work, talk about the game. It has its uses and its functions. But then that when that picture went out and you said there with, with Pogba in it, of course, that's the storm, isn't it? It's kind of like the thunderclouds above above the earth, you know, ready to kind of rain down on us. I know all Pogba has appeared in training and United haven't really said anything about it. It's like, ah, oh, right, okay. So I think that's part of the game with social media. Clubs like to play it. Players like to play it. And it's it's just something now we have to live with. I'm not quite sure we'll ever see what I would deem a solution to these things. That's the second consecutive episode where we had a social media section. Um, I'm wondering if that's going to be a regular feature in upcoming episodes. I think it will be because it's part of the game now. You know, this is, this is um, the, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, look at this, Scott. Before we do the show, what do I do? I put a post out saying we're going to do the show. And we're going to do it on this. Why is that? Because I want people to what, listen to the show. It's, 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 you know, it's a, it's a bit of marketing, isn't it? But it's also how we talk to our audiences. So footballers and football clubs are exactly the same as us in that, in that moment. It's just that maybe you should do it better. You know, if you're going to talk about Donny van der Beek, don't talk about his appearances when you're not playing him. So I I think that, again, there's maybe a disconnection between what the football club is wanting to do and then how the football club is actually doing it. Social media, you should be a little bit more nuanced, I think. And I I don't think Man United are very good at that. Maybe we should try and get a jingle um, social (laughs) social media post of the week. Um, Maybe we'll come up with an ingenious, funny pun name. It's got to happen. uh, In future episodes. We'll see. Uh, let's move on anyway. Uh, Paul Pogba is back on the training pitch. Midfield uh, player who could make a bit of a difference in that area, but United are quite... I think one of the big things about the Villa game the other day and something that does hold them back is Nemanja Matic's legs. You know, he, he can play well for a certain amount of time, but you can, you can notice a drop-off. I think Fred is good um, in a more advanced position, kind of, you know, putting the pressure on higher higher up, but they don't have enough options in there. Um, and you can see that United are targeting a central midfielder, whether that be this month or in the summer, they could probably do with two, to be honest. They didn't have Scott McTominay the other day. His uh, energy could have been useful, but we'll talk through some midfield targets here in a second, Rob. But do you, do you think that's definitely the case? You know, the central midfield area is letting them down. Yeah, I think it's the area with the most deficiency. So when we talk about Ranić's style, and this is why it's difficult, Scott, because we talk about Ranić's style, we're talking about the January transfer window and trying to put those two things together. But in four months' time, this will all be null and void because Ranić might not be the manager. You might not be Gagan pressing. You might not need that type of player. So it's tough. So I think when you look at the midfield, yeah, it's it's obvious why 
McFred get picked. You know, this is what I said under Solskjaer, is that if that's your best options week to week, then you're going to play them, aren't you? There's no doubt that Scott McTominay, in terms of his engine, is better than any other Manchester United midfielder. And yet, he's a guy that gets derided all the time. But I think he shows in some performances that there is a lot of upside to how he does it. But I think United need to maybe target two or three midfielders. Like, this is not a bring one to the club and you're on, you know, you're fixed. And I think that, that Ranić knows this. Talking about Paul Pogba, I think it's quite deliberate for someone like Ranić, who is quite explicit, that he doesn't want to talk about Paul Pogba. So I think that tells you a lot. There's none. There's no future proofing with Paul Pogba, is there? There's no like, well, when Pogba's back, we want to do this. He's just said nothing about it. So I think that's quite interesting. I think that probably shows where Pogba is in terms of the football club. So there is more of a feeling that he will leave. It's interesting that we're into January and there's no real talks of him signing a pre-contract with anyone. You know, that should be the natural course here if he wants to leave, that we get the big announcement, that Real Madrid are banging on the door, Barcelona are banging on the door, and Pogba's off to go and, you know, live out another dream in Spain. But we're also not hearing that Pogba's coming back to the point we see him appear at training, but, like, no one talks about it. And that's strange for Paul Pogba, isn't it? So um, it's a difficult scenario. United have been linked to so many midfielders, and they can all help United. But are they really kind of answer on their own no but collectively potentially the answer to that may be yes let's talk about some of those players so could you imagine a Manchester United midfield um, of Scott McTominay and John McGinn who has been linked uh, or named as one of the players on United's shortlist of course you're always going to get and this is why United are linked with so many players you know they probably have lists of several players that they are aware of or that they like or that they're scouting and all this kind of stuff and they get linked with tons and tons of players because they might feature on I think Aaron Wambasaka was one of I can't remember, do you remember the amount of right backs they were looking at um before they signed before they signed him there was there was hundreds tons anyway hundreds and hundreds <laughs> so you can you can see where the links come from but John McGinn was linked or named as on the United shortlist earlier this week you know I can't see Aston Villa needing or wanting to sell him, especially under Steven Gerrard. He kind of reminds me of, you know, or he can, I, I think of John McGinn as one of those players with enough energy to flourish under a coach like Steven Gerrard with his identity and that kind of stuff. But Jude Bellingham obviously features on the list, but if Erling Haaland leaves Dortmund this summer, will they really sell both? You can't really see that happening. Amadou Haidara, we've spoken about in the past as well. And Declan Rice, we've obviously spoken about too. So, there's a number of options there, Rob, but I'm guessing that do you think they'll go and make a big purchase in midfield this month or is it more of a case of just waiting and just seeing what they've got? I don't think they'll make a big purchase. You know, not, not you know, if, if we're talking Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham level, and of course I don't think those things are on the table or possible in this January market. Um you know, there's Hedera, there's uh, Zakaria, there's players that can help you if you bring them to the football club. They might not cost too much money. There might be release clauses there. But does it really get you in the top four? You know, does it really get you in the Champions League for the end of the season? Does it really help the next manager if it isn't Ralph Raniuk? So I think that the more and more this plays out over January, the more likely is that Man United will just sit on their hands because... How can you plan for something that you don't know is going to happen? How can you plan for a coach that isn't in place? So th there's this thing, obviously, that that Ralph is, is going to be there for an additional two years as a consultant. 
But I really don't think that he's going to have that much influence on the Man United board. And this Man United board still has the same agendas that it had under Ed Woodward and beyond. So it's a little bit depressing. But I do think that Man United need to kind of make a happy mistake somewhere. You know, they kind of had to find a player that comes in and we all go, oh, we're surprised that worked so well. There you go. You talked about John McGinn. You know, do I want to see John McGinn and Scott McTominay in Man United's midfield? Well, Scotland never do it. Scotland never played him together. <laughs> so if it isn't good enough for Scotland, why are we even thinking about it? So I like John McGinn. I believe he's one of Fergie's f- favourite players in the Premier League because he's Scottish. And there's this kind of connection there. But it doesn't work for me. It's not going to get you in the top four. If you're if you're thinking we want our football club to be like Man City or Liverpool or be title contenders, say, this time next year, then I don't think John McGinn really is the answer. One more depressing fact to add, 12 months ago today, Manchester United were top of the Premier League. Just let that sink in. Um, was that when... Marcus Rashford scored against Wolves, or was that uh, a... Scott? It feels so long ago. I haven't got a clue. You know, God, I just man. know. I just know that we were, we were top of the Premier League in this part of January uh, this time last year because <laughs> you know, and that was on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer four two three one with the same players we're talking about now. You know, minus Cristiano Ronaldo. So you know, you, you've got you strengthened in the, in the summer market. You've got three supposedly good players. I think two of them will fit long term. Um, but yeah, 12 months ago, you were top of the Premier League. So, Crikey. you know, things can turn around quickly. Like we talk about, you know, revisionism and how long it takes to do stuff and all of that. But as it stands, we, we just feel like we're treading water because I want Ralph Ranić to sort this out. But how is he supposed to sort this out when he's only going to be here for another four months? It's a, it's a strange situation. I think interims are generally a really bad idea. <laughs> Yeah, let's wrap up with uh, a couple of manager and longer-term points. I mean, which one do you want to talk about first, Rob? I've got reports of new manager being announced or worked on before the end of the season, Mm -hmm. or we could just go with what we're expecting from, you know, because you talked about Ralph needing time to implement his plans. It's not obviously going to take, you know, it's, it's not going to be a quick fix. But the longer United take to fix, the further off the pace they'll fall in the pursuit of top four. So, you know, is it a case of we could expect them to turn up in one of the next two games and then everything clicks and then they're fixed for the, for the time being and then they can charge back towards the top four? Or how, how are you feeling about that? Are you optimistic at the moment? Um, not optimistic, but not like completely pessimistic. So I think when you looked at the Villa game, I definitely saw things that I wanted to see in that game. So every match, you know, as a football journalist and someone who does a kind of tactical show and looks at those things with depth, I saw stuff that pleased me. And I think Ralph Rannick came out after the game and he, he said the same thing. He was like, that's the best this team has played under me since I came to the club. You know, they, they were hitting their marks. So that's good, isn't it? But like we said at the top of the show, you know, how do you get Rashford into that? How do you get Ronaldo into that? How do you get Harry Maguire into that? Because they are three of your players that haven't worked very well under this manager or haven't shown that they can do this pressing style. As far as other coaches go, you know, the the name obviously being bounded about again, of course, is Mauricio Pochettino. Lots of talking up in the British press about how Pochettino desperately wants the Man United job. That's not really what I'm hearing. You know, I, I think he'd be very interested in the Man United job. I don't think 
he's at the door banging away saying i want this job now which is what a lot of the british press are trying to put out there in the last 24 hours or 48 hours uh, i think that that's a little bit blue sky thinking it might be well people who are connected to manchester united writing those things that's just how it goes um and it might be again a little bit of pr uh, i would like pochettino at united i think he's a really good coach but does he does he fix this more than ralph ranier you know it's just the kind of thing isn't it it's 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 like robbing Peter to pay Paul. There's no, there's no real solutions here. It's all let's just roll the dice. So I don't think we'll see a, a full-time manager in place unless it completely collapses. You know, unless Man United next five, ten matches, it just goes horribly wrong and Ranić cannot stay in charge or whatever. Because Man United fans are impatient, even when United are winning. You know, they don't, they don't like the team. They don't like things. Um, but I'd like to see Ranić giving a an extended stay. I'd like him to be the manager, and I'd like him to to be given maybe an eighteen month contract to be the coach of this club, and to see what he can do in the building and in transfer windows. Uh, I'm not so hot on waiting for Ten Hag, waiting for Pochettino. It just feels like you're waiting forever, isn't it? You know, if you're at the bus stop and you know the bus isn't coming, then like, what's the point in sitting at a bus stop? There's no point, is there? Just Go and walk. So I want Man United to make steps, you know, go forward, find a way, but empower the people at the football club who are there already. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you're expecting, Rob, but I think it's a, it's a long shot now to think that Ranić will get that uh, that long-term contract from, from what I'm hearing anyway. And it does seem like those two people that you mentioned are the ones that they're trying to tempt, but you can't see anything actually... If they want to announce it before the end of the season, how close to the end of the season are we talking? What if Ajax and PSG go long into the Champions League run? They're not going to want any disruption. What happens there? I mean, Brendan Rodgers is still linked with the post here and there, but he's you know he's not doing so well at Leicester at the moment. So is he the right choice? But isn't it crazy? Like you have seven or eight games under a new coach who has got all his acumen, all of this kind of history in terms of his reputation. You know, everyone's singing and dancing about what he can do and what what he ha- the potential he has as a coach. And then you see it for seven or eight games. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll go into the next manager. It doesn't. This is Manchester United. This is the problem, isn't it? That we constantly dance around on this kind of slippery dance floor all the time, seven or eight games. We don't like what we see. Let's move on. And this is the problem. So Solskjaer really kind of lasted an extended stay and did well, I think, to kind of last as long as he did because it just seemed to be those slippery moments all the time, didn't it? I think, why don't you just say to someone like Ralph Ranić, here's the keys to the castle. Just get on with it. Go and coach his place. Tell us who has to go. Tell us who can stay. Go and use your extensive black book to go and get players and let's build a football club. It just feels like all the time that Manchester United is just this dysfunctional reality TV show. And yeah, we report on it, but we don't have to like it and we don't have to advocate it either. Dysfunctional reality TV show is probably right. I mean, it seems like we're going around in circles. Uh, United have a game with Brentford coming up on Wednesday night. That'll be a difficult... I know Brentford aren't in great form, but Brentford are the type of team on a nice, cold January night that can muster the kind of energy that can give United a really good game if they're not on... If their heads aren't in it, and we've seen this United team with their heads not in it too frequently this season to think that this is is just going to be an easy three points. Yeah, and I think the, the difficult thing with Brentford is that they will bring their energy... You know, this is a a kind of marquee game for them. Manchester United, you know, 
coming to their their stadium you know this kind of little uh uh kind of intimate uh arena that they've built and united are going to find it hard because what will they do when you try and press brentford they'll just go over the top of you that's what they'll do they'll find the channel and they'll get the outlet ball and they'll do what aston villa didn't do so aston villa tried to play through you that helps your pressing style you can meet it and match it but Brentford aren't going to do that. Brentford aren't going to sit back there and go, well, yeah, we'll let you press us. So I think that's difficult for Ranier because I think if he wants to play 4-1-4-1 again and do exactly the same system, then it's hard to, to do the good things that you did against Aston Villa and replicate them against a team like Brentford. Because Brentford already are going to be looking at Man United as a wounded animal and they'll be thinking, right, we're going to take advantage of the things that you're not so good at. And can Man United show resilience? This is what I ask every game, Scott, is that this team is not very good at showing resilience in the harder moments. Uh, and I think that's kind of been the story of the season so far. I should be seeing that Brentford uh, appetite up close because I'll, I'll be there for that one. Uh, very, very, I'd say very exciting, but I'm not going in with any kind of <laughs> expectation that United will turn up and play well. But Rob, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up there, I think. Is there anything you want to just uh, touch on before we go? Give Ralph time. That's what I want. I want to see Ralph given time to fix this. Uh, again, I said when we got him and he came in, I was like, this is not a quick fix. And if you're going to train players, it's a daily process that takes weeks and weeks and weeks. And so now Ralph's been at the club, what, six to seven, eight, nine weeks, that kind of period. We're starting to see the, the first signs of a minor recovery. But you've got to give the guy time. He's not ever going to be the guy that gets you results just off the hat you know not like when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came to the club you know he returned a feel-good factor and United immediately won football matches and for 20 games it was great and then after that 20 games it was horrible and then we had two years of maybe trying to do the right thing but lots of stagnation give the job to a technician I want Manchester United to be managed by a coach who's got tactical acumen you've got one already empower him Thank you very much for listening, everyone. United will play Brentford on Wednesday night and we'll see how it goes. I mean, remember to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we're on Apple, Spotify and Google, so you can find us there and follow us on Twitter. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU. Uh, suggestions that at some point we might be going twice a week, uh, but we will we'll wait and see. Uh, at the moment, you can find us usually on Tuesdays, so... Keep an eye out for us. Uh, tell your mates as well if they're United fans. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And we'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.